was another time I like auditioned for like a, a project like his people like seen footage of me somehow somewhere and we're like oh we want him to audition for this and it happened to be while I was in Ireland uh and had to or was it Ireland or Scotland uh but just somewhere where we were oh Scotland because a bunch of my friends went to King Arthur's seat that day and I was like I have to tape an audition in this weird Airbnb and do like weird acting and lines that are acting off of myself and hope that this is good enough. And then I just stressed for like two days while enjoying my, you know, trying to enjoy a Scottish vacation. So it's, yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun phenomenon, John. It's a, do you have anything like that in like freelance work? Does that, does that happen with you? Uh, Yeah. It's always the notion of, um, you know, setting aside some time for one project while another project is still in the air and could land and having to decide which one you want more, but it's never the one that's most ready to commit and, uh, right. you know, trying to make that time and all of that. Uh, yeah. so yeah, it's, uh, it's a little tricky, although I would say I've navigated, that in my in my wiser older age i now navigate it through laziness of just being like well i really don't like working so uh i'll do <laughs> i'll do whatever you need as long as it's like 10 hours a week and then if as somebody else yeah. wants 10 hours a week i can do that as well yeah yeah uh that's that's always that's always nice to be able to do that. i feel like it's to any thing. of my benefactors who are listening, that's a gross exaggeration, but of course, know, of course, that's the general uh, sentiment. Yeah, yeah, it's the the choosing the thing that has no interest in choosing you at present time, but could. I mean, there. This is like again the notion that kind of doesn't exist in my industry, which is why we're striking. Uh, is Every once in a while, a job will come along that can just change your life and not just like change your life, Mm -hmm. but like could potentially change like, I mean, like my circle of friends and extended families lives. Like it could be like, hey, John, do you want to grab the kids and go to Italy for the weekend? Because like I booked a Marvel movie and have that kind of money. Like it used to be that way uh Hmm. or even like a tv show if you got like a series regular on a tv show it'd be like oh yeah i could like take my family and my closest friends to like costa rica for a week and just like enjoy a villa and live like kings again for a little while before returning to our lives but that's that ain't happening anymore baby it's weird uh anyways I don't want to get too deep into strike talk because that's not that's not what we're here for, um, and we're not really here to catch up that aggressively because I am going to see you very soon, John. Uh, but yes, uh, we are here to talk about a big old weekend. As lazy as your weekend may have been, as like not lazy, but as like low key and low energy as your weekend may have been as uh my weekend was also pretty like low key and low energy uh except for like traveling tomorrow uh this weekend was packed this weekend was packed with action um 
Let's do our. Let's do it. Yeah. It's podcast. Hey, pod that's racing? podcast. Pod racing. Welcome to the F1 Files. This is our Formula One podcast. We are just a couple of best friends who love this sport so dang much, and we talk about it all the time, and now we talk about it with a bunch of people, uh, including you, the listener. I am one of the hosts. My name is Corey Willis. I'm out here in Los Angeles, California for about the next 12 hours. And this is John Lepore. I'm a creative consultant designing the future for film, technology, and automotive, holding it down on the East Coast, eagerly anticipating Corey's arrival. Mm. Uh, All right. So jam-packed weekend at Spa. Amazing track. Lots of action. Sprint race weekend. Mm Mm-hmm. What are we what are we saying as a collective Formula One community? Are these sprint races are they good now? Can we ah, can we be in favor of the sprint races? I thought this was a terrific sprint race. I thought it was too. Yeah. I thought this was a phenomenal weekend and it was well played um by F1 to put on the show that it did, considering we all knew the end of it. It's like go. It's like we we were James Cameron's adoring fans, going like, "Oh my god, I can't wait to see Titanic," uh, and we all know exactly how Titanic ends. But the way we get there is going to be yeah. Quite we didn't know about the friends we made along the way. Yeah, yeah, like the weird little Italian bodyguard who uh, hates uh, Leonardo DiCaprio way more than is necessary uh yeah i don't know who would who would that character I've, be I've, billy zane is that what you're talking about no 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 billy zane's like bodyguard or like his like butler or something it's like his one of the people who works for him I, just like i clearly am overdue for revisiting titanic I which i haven't I seen since necessary. you know 1998 yeah i've seen it cumulatively i don't think i've ever sat down and watched it in one chunk, but that's because it's legendarily long, uh, or was at the time. Uh, again, back to F1. It was a long weekend. We had a long, long weekend. Long weekend, a lot going yeah. on. Uh, for me, I will say the sprint, I think for me, was the pinnacle of the weekend. That was, mm-hmm. that was for me the weekend high point. Um, the it was nice to see some crazy conditions come into yes. the mix, swoop yes. in as they are somewhat prone to do at yeah. Spa. Uh, crazy track <laughs> to be driving on in the wet, uh, yeah. and they had some pretty insane conditions. Uh, sprint race was like the optimal conditions, which was like horrendous torrential downpour just as the race is beginning. But the race is going to finish with people driving on slick tires because it's going to dry out that quickly, Uh, which brings a bunch of strategy, brings a bunch of like general gutsiness uh, into the mix. That to me, almost always super entertaining. Loved seeing that. And that was like the anticipation. That was what we all were expecting this weekend. Uh, 
And by expecting, I'd say like we were expecting mixed conditions. We were expecting it to go from at least wet to dry, which is what it did. Um, but we didn't really get like the bad version of that where like our memory is so short as a, a sport and as a collective fan base because the one of the worst and most traumatizing uh, races as a fan was the Belgian Grand Prix where uh, it was the Grand Prix that didn't happen uh, because it was delayed, 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 Mm -hmm. and then finished behind the safety car with like, it was like George Russell's like first, was it his like podium, I guess? Uh, Yeah. uh, Yeah, it was, it was so it was bad. So the fact that we had like a slight delay in sessions and the actual races themselves was like, okay, I will take a 15 minute delay. Why are we complaining about a 15 minute delay? We could be dealing with a Mm -hmm. three hour delay. (laughs) So yeah, I I loved it though. I loved it. So that was like the backdrop of the weekend. That's what we were looking forward to. Um, uh, Almost with delight. I mean, I was delighted because I knew, one, it was going to be a, a one free practice session weekend because of the sprint. So that was going to be fun because that means that Red Bull is going to have a tougher time setting their car up. The rest of the field is catching them up a little bit. If we look back at like last weekend during the Hungarian Grand Prix, where it's really hard to assess high speed uh, cornering and also like straight line speed, but it looked like somehow Mercedes has kind of cracked the DRS code that uh, Red Bull has as well. And then we eventually did see that in the Grand Prix itself where Lewis was able to hold off Verstappen. Like Verstappen said it in the post-race center. He's like, I was in a Mm -hmm. DRS train. I couldn't get by Lewis. And then once he lost DRS with Charles, I was able to catch up with him and then pass him. But if Lewis had stuck behind Charles and kept DRS, this race result may have been different. And by that, I mean, mm-hmm. it may have been Sergio who won the race versus Max, <laughs> but it still would have been a Red Bull. But like, yeah, it could have gotten a little more interesting. Um, what did you, what, what was your anticipation going into this weekend, John? What were you expecting to see? So uh, I was expecting certain things to stay exactly the same as mm-hmm. they more or less did on yeah, planet of Verstappen. Of course. Um, and uh, I I will give Max his flowers. Like he had what could have been a like race or vacation ending tank slapper yeah. going into, you know, at, at, in Eau Rouge, the worst possible place to have it. And he reined it in immediately, which to me was pretty outrageous because the car, the car didn't do like a slight little twitch. The car was beginning a violent spin yeah. and he caught it so suddenly and so abruptly and was able to like basically de-escalate that situation with the insane precision that would be required to rein that in. Yeah, uh, and he kept control of it, and I, I think maybe there's very few other drivers on the grid who would have not ended up in the in the barriers in that yeah. same exact 
scenario. I mean, so that's kind of what happened to Lando Norris during qualifying last year was yeah. he went through the compression of En Rouge, which is this like really intense climb. If you have, if people haven't seen the, this track, uh, that it's like the hill that you are like, whoa, that's what, uh, that's, that's what those cars climb up. Uh, now with like the helmet cam, you can like see that just you're kind of staring at treetops uh, at the exact spot where Max Verstappen kind of lost control, which he lost mm-hmm. control uh, briefly at around 180 miles an hour somewhere around that <laughs> uh, yeah like looking at treetops not able to see the road or what was on the other side of that rise uh yeah that I, there's no equivalent to that it's like the the sensation you get when you are on ice briefly for people who have driven on like black ice who have experienced that phenomenon where the car just like let's go and you just the the butterflies in your stomach are all uh experiencing like violent uh cyclical vomiting in that precise moment while you've like gone across black ice at like 30 miles an hour this dude did that in a car that has no roof uh at like almost 200 miles an hour (laughs) Uh, yes and recovered it and kind of like giggled about not giggled. He this was the first time I think he's like been like, yeah, I had a little bit of a moment there. Like it was Yeah, yeah was, he he I think he blurted out an expletive and was like, whoa, almost lost it. Uh yeah. Yeah. Pretty um, pretty nuts. Um yeah. <laughs> strangely enough, uh still one of the least interesting things to come over Verstappen's radio uh this whole weekend. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll, we could, we could save that for Johnny's trash corner. Yeah. Uh, that's gotta be and, it. That's and, so let's go from like giving Verstappen his flowers. That's as a driver, he's very impressive. The fact that he saved that tank slapper at that speed in that specific mm-hmm. part of that circuit, which is notoriously Every driver who has ever driven on that racetrack has been like, this is the most dangerous part of any racetrack I've ever been on. Uh, It's the one where you risk it all, literally. And like someone died there uh, like less than a month ago. Um, uh, This is also the spot where uh, Antoine Hubert was uh, T-boned after he lost control because someone was flying up over the top of that uh, hill and there was a car sideways in parts with Antoine Hubert fully exposed to someone else. I mean that I think that driver like has recovered and is now driving again but had like destroyed his legs because of the impact that he made with another driver. It just it's a horrific spot. It's a terrifying yeah. spot. So let's give Max's flowers for recovering that there. We will get to Johnny's trash corner, and I will delightfully thrash around in that trash corner with you, John, while we talk about mm-hmm. just Max Verstappen's mouth and how, oh boy, oh boy, would I like to just, yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So what, so, what else? So that, that, what else that's, that's what stayed the same, right? Like that's mm-hmm. the, that's the thing that's static. And I think elsewhere there's a lot of other dynamic changes yeah. that we're seeing. 
Um, we saw Alpine have uh, a pleasant weekend after several very unpleasant weekends and even still have some rough luck. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but made it through, which I thought was nice to see. That's the uh, understatement saw, of the century, John. Unpleasantness yeah, yeah, yeah. is like, yeah, my God. Ocon made maybe the best pass of the season so mm-hmm. far. Yeah. And the person who made the second best pass of the season was his teammate in like the same exact spot on the track too. Because uh, yeah. Gasly got Sonoda at that like chicane too. So, yep. Really impressive. So drive. Good to see. Good to see those guys coming up, uh, especially after uh, their own internal changes. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, with within the team, Otmar has been kicked to the curb. Yep. Um, yep. He's gone. And who else was it that was with him? I mean, this is like a clearly a like heads will are rolling. Yeah. At Alpine type of situation. So. This is uh, Alan Pomaine is the other guy who got like who they said left uh, with like a mutual understanding. Uh, But this is a man who has worked for Alpine for I want either Alpine or Renault. He's worked for them. I want to say it's 32 years that that man has worked for that company. Uh, So this is after uh, uh, Laurent Rossi. Uh, got moved from like the CEO of Alpine to special projects, which is like basically you that's right before they let you go. That's the, that's the point of a, of a, of a, of of an automotive company where they go, Hey, um, if you could do anything here, what, what would you do? And you're like, Oh, I would like build my own thing. And they're like, do you want to do that, bud? You want to do that? We're going to we're going to put you in keep such... you out of everybody else's work. Yeah, yeah. We're we're going to we're going to let you go and do whatever you want over there so that we can run this company. So, that's on the back of losing Alan Pomain who is like another backbone uh of Alpine and Renault Racing. Uh they also lost Pat Fry who's going to Williams. So Pat Fry is the technical director and like is like mm-hmm. a notoriously phenomenal technical director. He's one of the reasons why Alpine has gotten to the point that they are. Uh last year Alpine every year uh teams bring upgrades to their cars almost at every Grand Prix, save a few especially now in the cost cap era. Very rarely do those parts work every weekend. Pat Fry oversaw Alpine's development last year, which was legendary. I mean, it's like historically, if you look back, it's never happened like that, where a team brings an upgrade and they like gain a tenth at minimum every single time they bring an upgrade, whether it's a Mm -hmm. front wing upgrade or whether it's a floor upgrade or rear wing or side pot or whatever. So Pat Fry is now chucking deuces. And this was just kind of a coincidence because I believe that James Vowles had like courted Pat Fry a while ago to go to Williams and basically was like, hey, we don't even know what parts we have here. Do you want to come in here and like help me write this ship over the next five to 10 years? And Pat Fry was like, I would like nothing less than to build 
like a technical infrastructure from the ground up because that's what he's going to get mm-hmm. to do at Williams. So Alpine has lost everything. They have lost everything. Uh, yep. Even as they got a huge influx from the investment group that uh, contains uh, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney and Michael B. Jordan like that. I wonder if that's, do you think there's a connection there? Do you think it was like, cool, this funding gives us the confidence to make some, you know, some killer, some cutthroat decisions and then move forward? Yeah, but there's there's also a thing that Julian, uh, Julian Palmer, uh, is the guy who does like a ton of commentating for the F1 channel. Yep. His former race engineer, I can't remember what his last name is, uh, but it's his race engineer's name is Julian. Uh, so it was Julian and Julian. And uh, Julian was a race engineer at uh, Renault and like was had continued to do that for quite some time. And his analogy or metaphor that he used was like you know sometimes it's good to like break the ice and see what happens and Julian repeated he's like so the strategy is to break the ice and see what happens okay that's the positive spin you're gonna put on this wow there's no there's no worse metaphor than like oh you're standing on a frozen body of water let's break the ice and see what positive can come from yeah. that. Like you're no, that's the death of you. <laughs> uh, so uh, have you heard the team principal that is rumored to be maybe going to Alpine now? Who is it? None other than Matteo Bonato. He is the, <laughs> the, the clown prince himself. Uh, maybe going and he'd be a perfect fit. He's a technical Ugh. expert. He knows so much about technical development. He is the former. That's why he got the I job like at Ferrari. I feel I like that's just walking into some serious misery. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's you don't not... need a, you don't need a rebound. No, just, just, you know, just let it all, let it all be. Come on, man. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Keep making wine. Keep hurting your goats, my man. Don't go <sighs> to. It's it's like the to go on with our Titanic analogy. It's like as if a a boat somehow had seen a rescue flare and went like, "Hey, we should go rescue those folks." And the captain of that rescue boat was like, "Hmm, I bet I could save that ship." Boys, you wait here. I'm gonna go hop on that ship, and I'll 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 follow you. Home. And it's like, Captain, mm-hmm. that ship is clearly it is starting to break in half. There are fires, Cap. And he's like, Ah, I think I can handle this. So we'll see. We'll see, Matea. I there are slim pickings too, John. That's the other thing is, who else would be a team principal that could potentially go there? Who could take over for that team? Yeah, that's, I mean, it's, it's pretty much inevitable. Right. Um, cause Laurent Mekis is going to take over Alpha Tauri. Like he left for gardening leave last week, right? That was like their announcement mm-hmm. at Ferrari to be like, Hey, yep. thank you for your service. Uh, good luck at Alpha Tauri. Um, whew, yeah, 
Speaking but, of AlphaTauri, uh, yeah. was was a little saddened to see Danny Rick mm-hmm. not doing so hot this weekend yeah. in general. He put together what looked like a killer qualifying lap, but yeah. he had exceeded track limits, so it was canceled, and uh, and I think that put him out in Q3, which is kind yeah. of disappointing. Um, in the race, he was pretty much stuck at the way, way, way back yeah. for the bulk of the race. Um, you know, um, I'm hoping that we see better for him soon. Uh, his teammate Yuki looking fantastic. Crushed it. This looking weekend. really good. Yeah. Yeah. And there was something really, really cool about, uh, about Yuki. There was like a post-race interview with him too, where he was like, yeah, Pierre passed me uh, and I passed Pierre and they were like, oh yeah. So what, what happened? You know, how do you, how does that feel? And Yuki was like, it's so cool because I, I wouldn't be in the position that I'm in right now to be scoring these points if I didn't have Pierre Gasly as my teammate last year. And I was like, oh, wow, Yuki, that's like very cool to say to like you do not have to say that Mm -hmm. at all uh and he also said like i think it's really really great to have daniel as my teammate because the way he deals with the team is the exact opposite the way that i deal with the team and i'm learning so much because he is so well received at the team that it's like helping yuki grow and i think that we are maybe starting to see a Yuki Sonoda who deserves, he doesn't deserve a poison chalice, but he might deserve a shot at the poison chalice uh, of that Red Bull second seat. Um, yeah. He's like proving himself. Uh, that said, I do, I feel bad about Daniel Ricardo. I'd feel bad about what happened to him, but I don't feel bad because the reason he ended up getting that track limit was because he sent it through on Rouge. That's where he got the yeah. track limit. Uh, that's where he exceeded the track limit. So the same place that we were talking about Max Verstappen having like a terrifying moment, the scariest part on any race circuit in the world, Daniel Ricardo was pushing it too hard through that specific section. Yeah. And like, yep, to yep. me, I was like, that's a good if you're gonna get hit for track limits like if you're gonna be a monkey be a gorilla like it's that kind of like mentality and daniel ricardo is exactly that uh he's like i'm going for it uh and that was and he still you know smile uh a mile wide just still loving it still loving the fact that he was able to be a part of this team and and he's excited to develop that car alongside yuki so I thought it was not a great weekend for Daniel Ricardo, but definitely a weekend that if you put him up against where Daniel Ricardo was running in 18th, 19th, starting the race in 19th, running as high as like 12th, but never cracking the top 10, even with other people's pit stops. He was doing those same races consistently last year in that McLaren. And like he was miserable and he was having an awful time and he clearly was not enjoying it. And his teammate was regularly breaking the top 10 and scoring points in a car that Daniel couldn't get his head around. So 
Mm-hmm. I think it's a good, again, gauge of where Daniel is and going into the summer break, he couldn't be better positioned to like come back even stronger, you know? So, yeah. Um, so uh, there was one driver that I think uh, you and I and yeah. many others were most yeah. excited about yeah. this weekend. We ta- yeah, we got to talk about him. Yeah. And it's interesting because I feel like we're still not yet seeing the full potential, but yeah. we can tell there is something very special happening with Oscar Piastri. Yep. Yeah. It's really, imp- I mean, this dude is so impressive already. And even after, again, just like Danny Rick having a bad weekend and having a bad result, you get Oscar and like you hear him and hear his interviews and he's just like, yeah, yeah. you know, it sucks. Uh, it's not, not where we want it to be this weekend, but uh, uh, we still learned a lot and the car was doing really, really well in those mixed conditions. And quite frankly, I agree with that because that car had what people were calling a barn door uh, on on the back of it, which those spa is a uh is a high speed circuit and having a, a a high downforce rear wing on your car is unhelpful at a high speed circuit it creates too much drag except spa is a notoriously mixed condition circuit uh a lot of the time there will be rain so people gambled and the mclarens gambled on having bigger rear wings this weekend so they underperformed in the dry weather and we kind of saw that with lando because Lando ended up like, yeah, he did fairly well within the race, all things considered. But like, that car was not set up to run in the dry for like thirty laps, and it showed very much. Like, it showed a whole lot when we heard Lando just being like, ah, "I can't do anything. I can't do anything in this car." Uh, and poof, that sprint race. Just that was great. I loved watching it. I loved watching Piastri qualified, you know, uh, on the front row. Um, yeah, that's wild. That this is this dude is, I I said it, he's the truth. This dude is like everything everyone is saying about him. It's true. He's gonna, he's gonna destroy every record if he gets into a car that is halfway decent he's proving that he will finish top five as a rookie against a field of veterans i mean it's i I love the i love the way you you phrase it as uh oscar piastri is the truth that was the text message that i got from you and yeah uh, uh when i hear that it's like well yes yeah our our hopes and dreams for him are true but even more than that he is just like all that is true in the world yes. in this sport and will be the, the one to come and redeem us and will somehow, you know, turn the tide away from yes. Verstappen at some point in the next 18 months. Yes. And there will be a new, uh, you know, a new hot rookie in the mix 
blowing everyone's minds and yeah, putting on some, some serious clinics for us to see. And it's still so early for him. I love seeing that even being a young driver in F1 and a rookie driver in F1 that he gets run off the track and his complaint over the radio was like the calmest thing that I've ever heard Mm -hmm. (laughs) said over a radio in F1, you know, as he's, you know, and, and you see they, they, you know, they write out the words on the screen so you can understand what he's saying. And like, if you were to read that, you'd imagine that he's like screaming, frothing at the mouth inside his helmet. And instead he's just like, Oh, he drove right into me. There was nowhere I could go. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. And then they're like, Oh wow, we should, we should really like play that. And he was like, you know what? It happened. And it was like, well, the team is yep. pretty much going like, hey, do you want to complain a whole lot right now to like maybe get race control to recognize that that might have been a move that was a little bit too aggressive and maybe we can like get something. And he was just like, I'm just going to put my head down and try and finish this race. Don't worry about that. Like, let me let me get back to work. Uh, I have nothing to complain about. And they were like, uh, okay. Well, I guess just like let us know if like you want to complain about something that could potentially benefit you and uh harm your direct rival in front of you on track like and he was like no no i just i want to get back to work i love it i love it um he feels like the salve to this verstappen rash uh that's what it will will be it also I mean, I'm sure people are talking about this in this way, but if you look at the way that he is performing, there is one other driver, and I've mentioned this before, there's one other driver on the grid who he's following in the footsteps of, and it's Lewis Hamilton. I mean, he's driving for McLaren, his rookie year. He's driving, like, McLaren didn't have, like, the best, strongest car, but it had a very competent senior driver who was pulling it from like the midfield up into a championship car, which is what Lando Norris did. It's what Fernando Alonso did. It's what Jensen Button did. Like they worked on getting that McLaren in good shape. And then Lewis ended up taking that car and demolishing the field with it. And I think that Oscar Piastri is going to do the same thing with a McLaren. Uh, If we just remove Red Bull from like the equation. God, it's such a, it's such so, deflation. All right. So so from uh Piastri and his radio conversations, shall we segue into uh into Johnny's trash corner? Yeah, should let's we get just into dive it. right in. Yeah. Oh all god, right. let's get into it. So uh gross trash, uh pretty much all weekend, mm-hmm. a lot of spicy radio communications. Being I think spicy made. is being way too generous, John. I think it's okay. petulant. A, like a lot yeah. of like, you know, three months before the divorce, uh, you know, mm-hmm. at a dinner party, and mm-hmm. everybody can tell that it's taking every fiber of their body for the the couple to, you know not be any more at each other's throats than they already are. And they're, you know, using restraint and they're trying to control themselves. So just like a lot of like snippiness going back and forth. (sighs) 
worth noting. There was, you know, I think one point, uh, you know, Max had uh, later in a session gotten back over the radio to sort of say like, you know, well, sorry, I was getting a little, you know, testy before yeah. or whatnot. The sense that I'm getting. So this is this is also something that's really interesting to me. His uh, Max's race engineer, who's uh, the person most involved in these radio communications going back and forth, who uh, supposedly has a good relationship with and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, his engineer is being surprisingly firm with yes. Max. Yes. And I get the impression, this is just my take on this. I'm almost certain that there's some serious stuff going on during the weekdays between race weekends where the team is hitting Max pretty hard with like, listen, when we communicate to you over the radio, like you have to listen to us. Yeah. You do not dictate this stuff. You do not run this team. When we tell you stuff, you have to control yourself. And not only that, but you have the entire globe listening to both of us. And we're trying to be cool about this, but you're also like it, you know, it's almost making it seem as though you think you control this team. Do you control this team, Max? Yeah, yeah. that's what I thought. Yeah. So remember that when the radio lights up, keep that in mind. And I say that because like there's moments like there was a lot mm-hmm. of like uh you know it was it was boiling over but also was sort of like restrained at a certain point or it could have kept going or kept getting rowdier in each different yeah. state. And it just you know and it just sounds and so uh Max's race engineer GP has been you know tasked with the authority of like you know get him in line and so he's yeah. being a little bit firmer and it just sounds like Max is just testing boundaries and he's just pushing and he just wants to see what he can get away with and you know when uh I did find it particularly astounding I thought this was actually like not cool on GP's part the whole like you 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 were really not using your head in that yeah. last lap when you Can should you have been use preserving your head your a tires. little bit more. Yeah, it's, yeah. There's some that that and and so that that to me sounded like he's got some license too, and he's trying to see how much further he can he can yeah. push with it. And Max is like trying to be cute in return, and like you know, and also a a, a absolute cocky piece of shit. And just yeah. being like, uh, oh, hey, why don't I just, you know, I'll just pull a full pit stop ahead and we can change the tires one more time and uh, and whatnot. Yeah, like um, that exchange all but that little chunk of that exchange of him, of GP coming on and being like, hey, we saw from the first stint in these tires that there was some pretty high deg. We need you to use your head a little bit on this stint. And then Max doesn't respond to that over the radio. Instead, he puts in a fast lap. So quite literally, the race engineer goes, hey, we need to be a little bit delicate bringing these tires into like the window uh, because we saw from the last set of tires that 
you took when you were stressing, when you were trying to chase Lewis down in that DRS train, like it put a little Mm -hmm. bit too much energy into him and like that caused some degradation. And that's one of the reasons it took you a little bit longer to get around Lewis because like you weren't gentle in those first couple of laps. So please be gentle in these first couple of laps and lap time around spa is like one minute, 45 seconds, one minute, 55 seconds, somewhere in that window. So there's like a lot of time for them to be like careful with those tires and especially with Max having the astonishing leads that he always ends yeah. up having and always ends up bringing back. Uh, so his response is to put in a fast lap and then GP comes back on the radio and goes, okay, uh, so we are having some serious problems with these tire temps. Now we need you to use your head a little bit stop being so stuck like in essence like the tone is like stop being stubborn listen to what we're telling you to do uh and max's response is um hmm, well maybe i just push a little harder and build up uh, an extra pit window you know to give you guys some practice it's like yo dude you're these people are putting in sub two second pit stops. They have like a corny graphic, like a big board, a big like screen in, uh, in Checo's garage that has like uh fastest, la- uh, fastest pit stop 2.2. Like it's like on repeat that just plays in the garage to like fire up the mechanics to be like, yo guys, yeah. this is, this is our target. We're trying to beat this. So like the mechanics don't need any reminder that they're the best. They don't need any practice necessarily at like that part of the race. And GP goes, no, we're not going to do that this time. We're not going to do that this time. And it was just like, all right, shut up <laughs> dude get back to work yep. max it was such a it, uh, yep. yeah it, yep. it was yep. such a, a weird ugh, i didn't like it uh, i didn't like it but all right so n- now tell me this mm-hmm. was it a response to some of that that mercedes pulled lewis in to do a pit stop to put him onto fresh tires so he could set the fastest lap on the final. Yeah. yeah. Like, was Absolutely. it like a, Absolutely. Hey, you know, uh, you know, we're tired of these guys always nailing this and doing it with, you know, uh, arrogance. Yeah. Let's try and, you know, let's just, that'll be our victory is we can steal one point from them. And to do it on medium tires was also yeah. like, they they were like underlining like the like hey we took the fastest lap off of you max and we did it on medium tires just as a heads up yeah uh because we had the pit stop window and we have faith in our mechanics and we have faith in our driver so just as a heads up this is this is what's going on so i i, I do think that mercedes was doing some shittery that's like some nice little like yeah, we're yep. going to like maybe poke the bear a little bit and see if that bear then gets aggravated and like maybe like fight somebody else in their den and then we can like, you know, get in there and get that honey. Uh whatever. You know what I'm saying? Um I got you. I got you yeah, loud. Yeah, 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 it works. It works. It works. That's that still works. Um 
yeah, I think that that was Mercedes doing that specifically. And also because they knew that Lewis wasn't going to be able to catch, uh, catch up Charles. Uh, the Ferrari had phenomenal race pace this weekend. Really, really impressive. Uh, oh, I watched. There was uh, something that Martin Brundle tried to do to get Carlos's attention on his like grid walk uh, last week. And he was trying to call after Carlos. And he's like, Carlos, Carlos, Carlito. And then like Carlos turns around and he's like, what was that you called me? And he's like, oh, hey, hey. <laughs> uh, so I think wow. that Carlos knows that like when people are referring to him as Carlito, they're like, oh, you little cutie little baby. You're not Car- – you're Carlos Sainz Jr. Remember that, Carlito. Like it feels very funny. So that was that was funny. Um, I, I will only be satisfied when Martin Brundle then gets his attention and then just goes, it's me, Benny Blanco from the Bronx. <laughs> and, uh, you know. uh, yeah. Oh God. <sighs> but, uh, but Carlos had a, a tough, a very tough uh, yeah. race. He um, took all the, he took all the Ferrari clown points uh, yeah, this weekend. For sure. For sure. Uh, Charles really showed up. Charles is crushing it on sprint weekends. I think that's another reason why yeah. sprint weekends are so rewarding is because we know we're going to get to see Charles Leclerc shine. Uh, and he did. He there's he not enough so time great. for strategists to yes. yeah, exactly. trip over um, their clown shoes. Yeah, because yeah, they can't help but trip over them. Uh, in Q1 on Friday, uh, Charles was like 15th um uh with like 30 seconds to go uh so mm-hmm. he went from 15th to uh being first at the end of Q1 so like on a single lap Ferrari is and has been one of the best cars uh in in that field um even though Red Bull is also very dominant it's really impressive to see Ferrari do their thing um so that was oh yeah, and that was the start of the. We're tipping back into the trash corner here. Um, we can't get out of it quite yet. Uh, this is where all the trouble started. Was in qualifying with Max Verstappen almost not making it out of Q two. So this was GP being like, uh, well, first of all, Max gets on the radio and he's like, he's like, how what this run plan was. Sh- this was absolute shit. what's going on and gp was like i mean max if you had gone fast i mean we got p10 we're through to the next session yeah. we're fine and he's like i don't care it's like the execution or whatever and gp comes back on the radio and goes okay so if we would have gone for uh, a fast lap um then you would have had no time left and you would have had no battery and the track would have evolved to the point of other people would have been able to go faster than you. What you have done then, Max? Just tell me what you wanted us to do. Tell me what you want us to do, and we will do it. And there was, like, no response from Max. And then yep. after Q3, that's when Max was like, ah, ah, hey, we're fine. That was a good gap. <laughs> hey, everything's cool, right? I don't think everything's cool. Um, even if it is cool... That, in addition to Helmet Marco, 
making yeah. a statement. Yeah. Oh, that was so gross, dude. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming you saw that statement um, that he made. This about. is uh, the one about Checo. Yeah. 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 Now that yeah, his yeah. dream of a world championship is over, maybe he can get back to his job or like something to that effect. And it was like, yeah. so the guy who is in the same equipment just fully this doesn't pretty, deserve a shot. Like pretty, pretty hostile workplace. Yeah. They got over there at, uh, at Red Bull. Um, I, you know, and I still stand by, I mean, I think for, for Max, this is probably not what he thought it would be like to be a two-time world champion, to have no. like everyone surrounding the sport to be like, well, the sport's been ruined by this guy. Yep. Uh, yeah. Sport would be a lot more fun if this guy wasn't here. Hey, there's a lot of exciting stuff happening this season until you factor in what's happening at the front because yeah. of this guy. Like, uh, I, I really do wonder if... Uh, Max's days in F1 are numbered. I mean, maybe that's what's been going on. Maybe that's what's been being discussed. And that's why, I don't know. Maybe it's just that thing where like, maybe GP is like, hey, uh, I want a bunch of titles with Seb and Seb was so much easier to deal with uh, because that's where that's, who John Piero Lombesi yeah. is. He was hired by Sebastian Vettel. Like there's a beautiful story about the fact that like GP literally the hiring process was Sebastian Vettel sitting across from him and grilling him on like mm -hmm. F1 history and what the sport means to him. And then finally, like mm -hmm. he got the job cause he impressed Sebastian Vettel enough to get that job. So like, that's nice. where he comes from. Like that's so that's such a cool story and like so cool just to know that that exists in the sport. But then fast forward to what he's dealing with with Max Verstappen. And it's like, "Oh, dude, how much how much more is GP going to take?" Like how much longer would you stick around as a race engineer if you've won five world titles with one of the best most well-liked uh people in the sport at this point? And now you're like, all right, now I'm winning like three with this like punk kid who like openly disrespects me and like doesn't listen to me. I mean, he literally said that in the end of the Grand Prix. Like he was like, you need to listen to what I am saying and just follow instructions. Like that was one of the last uh, mm -hmm. communications between him and Max during the race was like Checo had to pit like he had to pit and he was like i need to know his strategy and gp was like hey can you just let me do my job and listen to me and follow instructions yep. and he was like no i want to know what's going on and he was like you need to shut up and drive like that was basically what gp said to him and then max shut up and drove and still won by like 20 seconds oh god um what were some other stories? We have one last team that we haven't really talked about, uh, which is Mercedes. Uh, I got a lot to say about Mercedes here, John. Can we can we launch into this? To yeah, yeah, hit hit wrap? me with your your Mercedes thoughts. So I think that Merck is really really impressive. I think that they're they've like 
figured out the DRS thing. They figured out the straight line speed thing. I think that they're still a little too harsh on their tires, uh, on their rear tires. Both uh, Russell and Hamilton were saying that in the Grand Prix. I saw Hamilton was doing some like bouncing pretty aggressively everywhere. Uh, mm. So he was having to like lift through some of these corners that they usually keep their foot in the accelerator for. So they have some things that they're sorting out. That said, I think that they were the third fastest car on track. Uh, they absolutely yeah. dominated. Uh, George Russell struggled because he put that high downforce wing on the back of his car and Lewis didn't. So like that was the difference between those two cars. And that was the difference right out of free practice one. So that's why George struggled in qualifying. And that's why we ended up seeing George make like such a huge mistake and Mercedes made a huge mistake, but George in essence sabotaged his own teammates qualifying and, uh, the sprint qualifying, not not the race qualifying, but the sprint qualifying was basically sabotaged by George Russell. Um, Mercedes had really poor communication. They had a lot more time left. They could have spaced the cars out a lot more. And then George Russell locked his tires up multiple times. Like I was watching Lewis's onboards and watching Russell in front of him, like struggling, like his car was all over the place. Mm. And I don't know, man. You just got to know. You got to know those mirrors are good enough that you can see who's behind you. You can definitely see that there's a car behind you. You can absolutely see if it's your teammate. Like, there's no way that George didn't see that. Well, on top of that, you've got the radio in your ear and everything, you know. Yeah. uh, You've got more situational awareness than you would think. Yeah. In those those scenarios. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Speaking of, just yeah, yeah. During the sprint shootout qualifying, is that what it's called? It's just the sprint shootout. Sprint shootout. Uh, yeah. Coolest move of the whole weekend was Checo finishing his hot lap, being in the elimination zone, and I think this was in the second shootout uh, stage or whatever. Mm-hmm ton of heap of slow moving traffic oh yeah yeah and he like wove through it like these videos that are all over my instagram feed of people doing insane stuff on the grand central parkway in long island uh in the middle of the night (laughs) um (laughs) he just like it was like five cars that were all just cooling down Mm -hmm. and he wove through them all while still like maintaining a racing line, but just with the slightest modifications and held it together and and kept himself from getting eliminated. Uh, And I thought that was, that was pretty, pretty special. Cause like just seeing it was like, Oh, Nope. His lap is ruined. This is it. He's coming up on these guys and there's several of them and they're on on either side. Yeah. And like, you know, like, yeah, yeah. A nightmare scenario. Because Mm -hmm. that was like so important for Checo because he's been struggling so much over, you know, the past several races, especially during qualifying that it was like, oh, no, this isn't even going to be his fault. And then when he put it, uh, when he got through, I was like, oh, hell yeah, Checo, do do the work. Show us that you deserve 
that seat at that team. And I think, yep, man, I think Checo is getting such a raw deal. He is working his butt off. He is absolutely, yeah, okay, he's had like a, a couple of bad runs. Yeah, of course, he's made up like 40 spots on the grid. Uh, and Max has only had to make up one. Um, I don't know. What, what, what's a tough job? I mean, I mean, you, you know, like it's, it's hard to tell because it's like, well, should he be like, you know, 25 seconds behind Max or 35 seconds behind Max? Like what's the, you know, like, yeah, who can, what's who acceptable? Can tell? Yeah. Um, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's a raw deal. It really is. Um, and now he's got two, one and a half. I don't want to call Yuki Snoda a half person. Um, he's got two very <laughs> competent people uh, who could potentially take that race seat next year and could potentially yeah. take that race seat halfway through next year. Uh, and he could maybe not even have, like the best case scenario is he gets demoted to the junior team. Right, like that feels mm. Checo's in such a bad spot, and that, that is why that seat is a poison chalice. That's why I don't want to see Daniel Ricardo in that seat. I mean, yeah, I don't want to see Yuki Sonoda in that seat. I think Daniel Ricardo could handle that seat at this point. Um, and they even said it. They were like. <laughs> We wish Daniel never left. <laughs> like we've been trying to figure out how to replace him since he left. Yeah. And Daniel left because like we mistreated him. So I have a feeling that maybe when Daniel comes back, they will be a more responsible Red Bull and not burn Daniel Ricardo out of that team for a second time. Uh, what, do you, what do you think there, Johnny? What, what's, what's your thought? I think that Daniel Ricardo has the highest probability of being able to get inside Max's head, yeah. not because of his racing abilities, yeah. but because every driver, especially Max, wants to have the persona of Daniel yes. Ricardo. Like everyone wants to be the lovable, fun, hilarious, yeah. silly guy and whatnot. Like effortlessly and see, lovable. Yeah, we see all. And we see all the time, like Max take like shots at at this, and just being, you know, trying to be forcibly irreverent, you yeah. Know, which just doesn't it just doesn't go well. Oh, speaking uh, and of, so I think that's yeah. Please speaking of force, it's just 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 to to touch on Max being forcibly like just oh he can't help himself. There's a Heineken commercial. With Max Verstappen, who is the designated driver, and it is one of the most, I just, as someone who has been on commercial sets and has worked with like celebrity talent in commercials, I cannot imagine how painful it must have been for like all the people who are on that set to just be like, could you, you don't look human. When, when you're like smiling, uh, like, and, and they're not going to say this to him, but these are the conversations that are happening. 
between like actors and then also like I'm sure with the people who are looking at Max Verstappen in the monitor where he's like smirking because he gets to drink like a Heineken non-alcoholic beer and gets to finally drive. But like, I don't know. Have you seen the commercial, Johnny? Have you, have you seen I it? Haven't. I haven't. I'm going to avoid it at all costs because I mean, uh, these things, yeah, I don't, yeah. I'm not if, a. If you see it. So the premise of the whole thing is that Max Verstappen is out at the bar with four of his friends and like that dude's got four friends. I've never seen that dude around four people i've seen him around two other people at most and his girlfriend uh so i don't think i don't know uh that's a bit harsh but doesn't seem like a very natural acting person when he's in a group setting i mean you've seen pick like that like farewell dinner uh vettel's farewell dinner yeah like max does not look like he's should be at that table looks like he should be sitting at a separate table um uh i also just watched aliens and it's like the the colonel uh who doesn't like sit with the rest or the lieutenant who doesn't sit with yeah. the rest of the grunts he's like oh he's too good to sit with the rest of us i was like oh that's max verstappen um uh but there's a moment in that commercial where they're like who's the best driver here and then everyone like turns to max and they're like hey max is the best driver here we should give him the keys and let him be the dd and then like the payoff of the commercial is like max like holds up a Heineken and is drinking it. And everyone's like, oh, Max is the best driver. He- oh, he's drinking. Oh, we got to find someone else to be the DD. And then he like rotates the bottle around and it's a Heineken non-alcoholic. Uh. And it's like, I don't, one, I don't know if that's the message. <laughs> if that's the right message to be like. Right. I mean, he is still, there's still alcohol in non-alcoholic beer. Uh, like a very, it's a negligible amount, but there's still alcohol in it. Also just like drink a soda or drink like a ginger ale or like a juice or a cranberry juice. So, like what is happening? Why? Uh, yeah, it was so stupid. So bad commercial, but perfectly illustrates how just alien that that dude is versus yeah. someone like Daniel Ricardo, who I would be like, Oh, I would, yeah. I could imagine Danny Rick would be like, hey, is there any way I could do a keg stand in this commercial? And they're like, no, this doesn't, we're not, this is Heineken bottles. We don't have a keg. And he's like, yeah, yeah but it comes in a keg, right? And they're like, all right, let's get a keg in here to get Danny Rick to do some keg stands. And then that's the yep. spot. Um, yeah. So, uh, tricky weekend. For tricky birthday weekend for Fernando Alonso. Oh, I texted yeah. You All right. So time. that's, that's yeah. the one. That's yeah. the one other other piece of uh, mm-hmm. of all this. Uh, uh, <laughs> the. I think the uh, the Fernando hype train is finally lost all momentum. Yeah. Uh, 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 Buddy of mine, Chris, said uh, the Fernando hype train has derailed and crashed into a children's hospital. Uh, and yeah, yeah, that's I think a that's a fair assessment. That's, yeah, yeah, that's pretty oh. much where we're at. It's uh, and but but mm-hmm. don't fret everybody because this means that we're close. To the rebirth, yes, 
of dark he's Fernando. Coming. He's coming. He's coming. Um, when he went out in the sprint race and qualified like 18th, there's a beautiful, like cringeworthy moment where Lawrence Barreto is trying to interview him and you can hear Lawrence Barreto's tone. He's like, Hey Fernando. So sorry. You know, it's tricky. You know, you're going to be starting like, what is it? Like, it's like 16th or 18th on the grid or whatever. He's like, so is there anything to recover from? And before Lawrence finishes his question, Fernando cuts him off and goes, nothing. And he goes, sorry, nothing. And he's like, yeah, there's nothing to recover. And then just like walks out of the interview does. And Lawrence is Mm -hmm. trying to ask a follow-up question and just gives up because Fernando is just like, I'm not this. I'm not standing here and going through these platitudes with you. And it was, Oh, it is. You can see it. You can see the fire uh, raging underneath all of that perfectly toned Spanish skin, uh, that 42 year old Spaniard who makes the rest of us 42 year olds, maybe not feel like we're doing as much as we could in life. Um, but at least I'm not having to publicly give an interview while having rage boil out from within me. Uh, what do you think, John? Where, how close are we? Yeah, I I mean, you know, in that moment, I was half expecting him to like, you know, storm away, then stop, make a U-turn, come right back over, grab the microphone and 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 just hold it up to his mouth and be like, I'll have you know, 11 weeks ago, people were speculating that I was dating Taylor Swift. Yeah. And then throw the microphone on the floor and uh, charge, charge away. That's, Whatever uh, happened to that? Yeah. Oh God. Um, he did. He did still have a sweet radio message during the race where he, he did. I forget what it was. He was congratulating his uh, pit crew. Yeah. Just say you know it's just something like it was like the world's most earnest. Like you know, like hey, mm-hmm. team, you guys did a great job back there. Yeah, he really, he really like fully like congratulated the team like unconditionally. It was just like, hey, good job, guys, good job. And they were like, oh, thank you, um, thanks, Dad. Yeah, yeah. It was. It felt like, huh? Maybe he is like slightly aware of how angry he appeared before, and a big re- a reason, one of the reasons why he was so angry. Uh, that he didn't get to put in a new lap was because Lance Stroll had an off. And the whole reason Lance Stroll had an off was because he was on medium tires. And the whole reason he was on medium tires was because the FIA has designated during like qualifying session two, you have to use medium tires. So there's this new tire allocation. But they never declared the session wet, which would have allowed all the teams to go, okay, great, we can use any tire compound. So it was truly like, I was like, why are they putting them on medium tire? And it was like, oh, well, they had literally had no choice. Um, and they didn't want to burn through another set of intermediate tires because that you only get six sets over the course of the weekend. So eh, tire allocations, tricky and weird, but it was 
<laughs> Hamilton had a moment when he when they brought him in for the fastest lap. His response to seeing that he was on the medium tires, he goes, "Oh shit, these tires!" <laughs> and I was like, "That's great. I love, I love that he earnestly was like, wait, why, why, I'm going for fastest lap on medium tires, yeah. y'all. What's happening on like, oh, on oh, roller oh, skates? What? Yeah, yeah, like you know, you know what track we're on, right, y'all? Um, yeah, there were some uh, some great moments on the radio so there." Uh, Hamilton seemed really, really upset about his tire choices all the time. Uh, and this felt genuine. And it was also like the fact that like Russell had biffed so hard in that qualifying that it kind of set him back over the course of the whole Grand Prix, uh, over the whole weekend, rather. Um, in the race, I think he was fine. I don't think they could have done much more in the Grand Prix. Uh, but during the sprint, they could have done a lot more. And I think just the miscommunications, that's not a good way to go into the summer break for Mercedes. Um, yeah. In my opinion, uh, it just didn't feel very positive. Uh, so ultimately the silly season was again, started by someone who has, sort of a tangential relationship to Sebastian Vettel, right? So like Otmar started the silly season. Uh, his firing starts the silly season when it comes to team principles. And now we are in the summer break, Johnny. So like, yep, we are silly season is upon us. And I think over the next like week or so, we're going to get some huge announcements as people decompress and go like, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? Um, a lot of people still up for contract negotiations. Hamilton still hasn't signed a contract. Leclerc hasn't signs. Hasn't Magnuson hasn't Hulkenberg hasn't, uh, there like, there are a lot of people who things could shift around. Right. Yep. And as yep, Red yep. Bull has proved it, they don't need to wait for silly season. They don't need to wait for any part of the season to make a change. So, I don't know, man. Um, there's a lot out there. There's a lot, lot going on in the world. Who's okay. heading into the most relaxed and positive vibes summer break? That's a good question, John. I mean, I want to say that it's probably Oscar Piastri. That's it. That's the only person I can think of who's like, Right? At peace with themselves, part of a team that's made a huge turnaround, unlike yeah. we've ever seen a team make in a single season. Uh, and yeah. like has, in season, you know, in season, has a ton of heat on him. And yet mm-hmm. everyone is still, I think, very aware that we still haven't seen fully what he's got in store for us. So, yeah, that's yeah. especially because I just to like put a, a an even bigger like bold on Oscar Piastri's weekend on how impressive it was that he qualified on the front row uh that he was like could have potentially fought for a race win if conditions were a little bit different today and if he didn't get pinched into that barrier in the first turn um yeah which was a pinch that happened just cuz he was wrong place wrong time that's all it was 
it yep. just his tires weren't hot enough to really properly apply the brakes to get out of that move. And Carlos was getting squeezed to the inside by Hamilton. So like that yep. was going to happen no matter what, but Oscar Piastri has until this weekend, never driven an F1 car at spa. This was his first time driving yeah. a formula one car at that racetrack, which means it was the first time he was picking breaking points in an F1 car at that racetrack. Yep. Like, man, that dude is so good. And he's, we're seeing just the tiniest little hints of what he's capable of. Uh, and I think if the car continues to be developed the way that it has been developed, it will be very impressive for the rest of the season. I think it's going to go like crazy at Zanvoort. I think that that McLaren is going to crush it at that track. Mm. Uh, and I think that Oscar is going to be legendary at that track. We saw way too many orange flares way too early uh, this this weekend. Um, and I think that we need to steal ourselves for that. And by ourselves, I mean I need to steal myself for that. Uh, inevitability at Zanvoort. It's just going to be orange clouds everywhere. Um, But yeah, maybe Hamilton goes in very relaxed and feeling good about where he's at. Uh, He's doing much better with his performance. He's up for a contract renegotiation, so he'll probably get more money because his performance is even better than it was at the start of the season. Um, Right. They are, their development with that car is going exceedingly well, considering where they started the season and where they've ended up halfway through. Uh, I think they're kind of out of the woods with that. They've shown real pace now. But yeah, I think it's just Lewis and Oscar are the only ones who are going into the summer break being like, ah, I get to lace my fingers behind my head and put my fingers in this or my toesies in the sand. Uh, yep. Max is just going to do a bunch of sim work. Lando's going to be pissed because he didn't have a good performance. Um, oh, yeah, they broke the trophy again. Did you see that, John? Just Are you serious? Yep, yep. Um, during the Red Bull, like, their celebration that they always do at the end of every uh-huh. race where they, like, set up the trophies and the pit boards and have the whole team uh, spray each other with cans of Red Bull after the picture. Well, pit board fell over. Knocked over Max's trophy, broke the top of the trophy. So that's two weekends in a row where mm. Red Bull has broken their trophy. Um, yeah. <sighs> I don't know. Just kind of show it's that's yeah. we're going into the summer break being like, Jesus Christ, just Red Bull. Go away. Just go away. Uh, or at least Max take some races off. Just take some races off you'll still win the championship, but like give us some enjoyable races because <laughs> we haven't had too many. Even the sprints weren't that enjoyable because you came back and won them. Mm-hmm. Now properly won the title of. Most well, so this wins. is the other thing I was going to yeah. say. All right. And this is my note to close it out on in a, in a dark place. Oh no. <laughs> Matt Max starting midfield Mm -hmm. the prospect of that should be thrilling yeah 
I don't remember a single pass that he made. There wasn't a single one that like was any way, shape or form noteworthy to me. Like there wasn't a single one that was fought for. There wasn't a single one that required an interesting or or unexpected move. Nope. They happened. They, they did not register on my radar at all. Yeah. And he carved his way through the field as everybody expected. And then we just went back to watching the rest of the field. (sighs) Yeah, it is it it is looking pretty bleak as far as like competitive races. I watched this one live this morning and I was like was this really worth getting up for <laughs> at 6 a.m. Yeah. and watching? Yeah. And yeah, it was fine, but for the eventuality of Max just winning by 20 seconds, no, it wasn't. He's just going to keep winning. Maybe by the end of the season, he's only winning by five seconds. Like, that's not a good place to be, y'all. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So on on that note, <laughs> for me, Formula One stock mm-hmm. would seem to be going down. Yeah. But it does have a, I don't know, what's an, an, a upwind current pushing it upstream against the grain, which is the truth. Yeah. That is Oscar Piastri. Yeah. Yep. I think that. Does he have a nickname? I think it should be the truth. (laughs) Um, I mean, can we, can we, can we just, can we just activate that? Can we christen him here and now? Yeah. Yeah. Oscar Piastri is, the truth. The truth. I'll spend the rest of the night making a uh, <laughs> a, a poster that you would have found in uh, Foot Locker in in oh, 1992. I can, I can give you a a, a mod. The reason I'm calling him the truth is because Paul Pierce used to be called the truth. Uh, this amazing power forward for hmm. the uh, for the Boston Celtics um, was the truth because like he was unstoppable and undeniable. And from the moment he stepped foot in the league, it was like, oh yeah, this is, this dude's the real deal. And like Oscar Piastri is the same way, maybe even more aggressively because like every single thing he's been a part of, he's become the champion of. And I think that like, I don't think that Paul (laughs) Pierce was a champion straight away. Um, But like, whew, Oscar Piastri has been, and I think will be going forward. He will be a world champion, maybe even before his teammate, which is like bananas because I think Lando Norris is so good. Oh man. He's also like quietly composed and like confident, but not cocky in the same way that Lewis was when he first started out. It's I'm saying we're seeing an echo of, of what Lewis did when he showed up in F1 with, with Piastri and that's exciting. So I think that, yeah, the, I like it, the, the, the stock has kind of, it's, it's gently glowing. It's gently glowing up. It is gently going up just a little bit. Like there's a slight incline, but if you were to glance at the stock, you would be like, Oh, it's plateaued. But then at the very end of the graph, like right where, the next day is going to start. You can see that there's like 
a sh- kind of a sharp line going up. And I think that that sharp line is the truth. I think he's going to dazzle us in the second half of the season, even more than he's done in the first half. I mean, that look at what he did in the first half. No one else is doing that. No one else has done that. Yep. Max didn't do that. Vettel didn't do that. Hamilton did. Ayrton did. Yeah. Schumacher did. Like, we're, he's with those people. Like, he's being put in the same breath as Hamilton and Schumacher and Ayrton. Like, that's a, that's it's crazy. True. That's crazy. I love it. I love it. So, I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see what Silly Season brings us. Um, what else, John? You got anything else before we, uh, before we jump into our own little summer break? No, that's all. That's all I got. I, uh, I look forward to seeing how the silly season unfolds. Yep. Me too. And, uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be chomping at the bit. Yeah. When we get back to racing. Yeah. Maybe, maybe right now a little starvation of formula one is kind of what we need. Do us a little good. Three, three weekends, no races. Yeah. Here's the thing, folks. We've done this already this season. We've had a mini yeah. summer break, so it's not like this is that big of a break. It's just the teams will now be fully shut down. So that's what's happening here. No work can be done on anything, on any computer at all whatsoever. No strategy meetings, no anything. You can like mm-hmm. vaguely chat about things, but you cannot talk anything about Formula One or any sort of strategy if you're on one of the teams. But we can, and we will, because, folks, we're going to catch up with you. Oh, wait, hold on a second. Where are we supposed to find uh, ourselves in the world, John? Where can where can the folks oh. find you? Oh, oh. Yeah. Uh, you can find me anytime via my home base of johnnymotion.com. Uh, if you're fascinated by the insane world of generative artificial intelligence in about uh, two weeks, uh, two and a half weeks. I'm going to be in Los Angeles delivering the opening keynote for the artificial conference, Mm -hmm. uh, which is being held at the, I think it's the Novo theater, which is what they just renamed the Microsoft. It's the it's like the big jam right next to the Staples center, which also isn't the Staples center anymore. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, it's the the uh, there's the the crypto.com arena and then this will be at the discoin.org yeah. arena right across the street and God, uh, and all I love that. We're going to look back on this time and be like look at these goofy names we gave everything. Even goofier yeah. than like the 80s and 90s. And those I mean, there was like a lot of like literally extreme things like minus the first e would be extreme that was like a regular thing for branding in the 90s and here we are yeah crypto the crypto arena the novo theater god give me a break all right well folks get your tickets for that because johnny's going to be crushing that keynote speech and i plan on being in attendance for that too uh so uh come come see us there (laughs) 
<laughs> I guess. Uh, That's right. Yes. Uh, but you can you can catch me online. I'm Burn Corey Burn on all the things, uh, including the weird, dumb new thing that just uh, fully rolled out. Um, I'm still not on threads. I refuse to give them all of my information. John, I'm sorry. I'm just not doing it. Uh, I'm digging my heels in aggressively on this one. And um, yeah, you can also find me on my website. Yeah, CoreyPWillis.com. Track me down there. That thing will get an overhaul soon. But there is a contact page there, too. So you can track me down. All right, folks. We're going to catch up with you the next time. Just like you will catch up with us the next time on The F1 Files. Mm-hmm.